Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Yeah, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Yeah, it sure is, babe. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, man, I'm just going to keep it pretty cool and casual this time. Hmm? What do you think? <laughs> you like this energy? No, not at all. It's whatever, you know? It's like, are we making a podcast or are we not making a podcast? It's whatever, dude. Okay. This is how I'm sort of getting through it now. Also, to step outside the bit. It's just be like, okay, whatever, man. It's cool. All right. Does this character have gum in his mouth? Uh, kind of. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe this character chews gum. That's fun, babe. See, we're building the bit together. Uh-huh. We're working in the space together. Uh-huh. This is gum chewing Dan, and he doesn't have a care in the world, does he? Because he's kind of above it all. Do you want to be one? Do you no. want to be a gum chewing Dan? No, but can I be somebody else? Sure, yeah. Um, I am Jawbreaker Julie. Oh, hit me with what that sounds like. Oh, it's a heart. Here's the thing. Um, oh, she's great. I set my alarm, but mm. then I didn't wake up, so I'm late. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good, babe. Thank you. This is so powerful. Yeah. This is this, and this is what's going to get us through this thing together as a community. Just escapes into it's fantasy. Escapes worlds. into fantasy. A little light role play, <laughs> which you know I've been trying to get into for a long time. <laughs> I think this is indicative of uh, my small wonder this week, which is the Schwartz and Middleditch special that we watched last oh night on gosh. Netflix with uh, uh, Ben Schwartz and Thomas Middleditch. Uh, holy shit! It is the hardest I have laughed at anything uh-huh. in uh, for for certain since all this uh, started, but also maybe in the last like year or two. It uh, absolutely busted me up, had me in stitches. That special, so 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 good. Long form improv, which I think at first made Griffin a little nervous, but uh, delightful. No, I, I see. I adore it when I know I'm in. I'm in the trusted, capable hands <laughs> yeah. of people who are really, really good at. It. I can't remember. Uh, uh, the guys that you made that you introduced me to TJ and Dave TJ and Dave from this I think from the Sonic or one of them's in the Sonic commercials. yeah they're Chicago icons that at least for a while did a weekly show uh, where they would just start out with the with a prompt or a suggestion and they would just, just go, go, and go for and like go. an hour and that is what uh, middle ditch and Schwartz yeah. is and holy Christ no joke like I'm recommending it to everybody that I'm talking to now because it's like a little beautiful little levity balloon <laughs> to enjoy. Do you have a small wonder? I do. This is not going to surprise anybody, but uh, Fiona Apple's new album, Fetch mm. the Bolt Cutters, uh, downloaded it, like actually bought it in the iTunes. Uh, first day it came out and I've been listening to it pretty frequently. I would say I listened to that whole album maybe five or six times already. Wow. It's phenomenal. Everything you're reading about it is true. It is exceptionally good, and uh, I would recommend it. I haven't dipped in yet. Mm. I've been listening to LMFAO's new album. Oh, uh, and what's that and called? Fetch the Bolt Cutters, also. Oh. Yeah, it's a weird, <laughs> weird. sort of winky dink yeah. But yeah, it's good. It's got a lot of emotional emotions in it, and it's sort of a turn for them, because it's <laughs> just one... Um, vocalist and it's a woman and she is singing she is singing a lot of sort of quiet non-party songs and now that i'm saying all this i think i may have actually been listening to fiona (laughs) apple but they mixed up the thumbnail on spotify oh yeah somebody should fix that someone should fix that i think immediately you go first this week what's your first thing 
Uh, my first thing is a trip to the Poetry Corner. Oh, wow. Right away, huh? Yeah, I'm going to start right there. I barely... Let me put on my shoes. Gosh. Poetry, poetry, radioactive poetry. I started singing the Spider-Man melody, <laughs> and I don't regret it. Watch uh, out. Oh. Here comes the poetry. I like that. All right. And you know, there's a lot of similarities between Spider-Man and poetry. I think so, too. You know, when you're swinging from building to building? Yeah. Like from stanza to stanza? It's like there's a rhythm to it. Uh-huh. And you fight Dr. Octopus. Uh-huh. Like you do in poetry. Mm-hmm. You hang upside down and... and you kiss Kirsten... Stu- Kirsten... Oops. I, why can't I remember her name? Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. A lot of, there's not that many Kirstens. <laughs> uh, the poet I am bringing this week is a Polish poet, uh, and her name is Wisława Szymborska. Oh, I know her. Oh, yeah? No. Oh. I always think it's going to happen. You thought it would happen with this one? Yeah. Oh, She's relatively well known. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. I guess there's something well known that I don't know. Wow. I egg, actually, egg on my face. I actually am relatively new to her work, so oh, okay. I probably shouldn't. But she won a Nobel Prize, which makes her, you know, one of the more recognizable poets. Yes, for sure. Uh, actually, it was, she won it in 1996, uh, and the Academy praised her poetry that, quote, had ironic precision that allows the historical and biological context to come to light in fragments of human reality. That's, it's hard for me to follow what that meant, but I bet it's good (laughs) and cool and smart. Uh, She, as I mentioned, uh, grew up in Poland, is well known there, uh, and got recognition once she won that Nobel Prize kind of globally. Uh, She didn't have a lot of collections of poetry. From what I can tell, there's about four. Uh, that have been translated into English. Maybe oh, okay. she has more that have not been translated. Sure. Uh, she um, said in her Nobel speech that, quote, in the language of poetry where every word is weighted, nothing is usual or normal, not a single stone and not a single cloud above it, not a single day and not a single night after it, and above all, not a single existence, not anyone's existence in this world. Do you think after she said that, she was like, and oh, damn, hold up. I got to go write that down because I think it was a poem. I can't just give those away for free. Yes, that was a poem and it was mine. Trademark, trademark. The other thing that she said in her Nobel Prize is she joked about lives of poets. She said great films can be made of lives of scientists and artists, but not poets. Quote, their work is hopelessly unphotogenic. Someone sits at a table or lies on a sofa while staring motionless at a wall or ceiling. Once in a while, that person writes down seven lines, only to cross out one of them 15 minutes later. And then another hour passes, during which nothing happens. Even that. (laughs) Does she ever say stuff like, I want to eat a ham sandwich for lunch today? I mean, that's what they're that's what they're talking about, that um, ironic precision. Right. You know, uh, I I really liked her poetry because I found it um, very playful, you know, and, and very um, the translations must be incredible because like the language in the translation is so rhythmic and perfect. And I, I just I have to imagine um, 
that she's one of the few poets that, that got that kind of treatment in translation because I I love it. I've never thought about that before. Obviously, like translation oh, and localization is like, yeah, it's an important thing. But in terms of poetry, to get like every, the meter right. Yeah. And if there's if there's rhyme. So I wanted to read a poem from View with a Grain of Sand. Um, the poem is called The Acrobat. And I enjoy it particularly for kind of the rhythm and the language, uh, because it very much mirrors, you know, an acrobat. Right. From trapeze to trapeze in the hush that follows the drumroll's sudden pause, through through the startled air more swiftly than then his body's weight, which once again, again is late for its own fall. Solo, or even less than solo, less, because he's crippled, missing, missing wings, missing them so much that he can't miss the chance to soar on shamefully unfeathered naked vigilance alone. Arduous E is watchful agility and calculated inspiration. Do you see how he waits to pounce in flight? Do you know how he plots from head to toe against his very being? Do you know, do you see how cunningly he weaves himself through his own former shape and works to seize this swaying world by stretching out the arms he has conceived? Beautiful beyond belief at this passing, at this very passing moment that he's just passed. That is a poem ass poem right there. <laughs> I, I love, like, you can just picture this, like, trapeze swinger yes. swinging back and forth. Like, the way the lines are constructed and the rhythm of the poem. It's just, like, it's so visual in just how she, how she chooses the language. It's incredible. Yeah, that's really cool. I've never quite heard a poem like that, I don't think. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it has to have been a little experimental in its time. I don't know. I just, I find it really inspiring to see somebody who is not, I mean, is obviously concerned with transmitting an image and a, and a meaning, but also trying to do this very clever, creative thing of making the language kind of communicate that message as well. Yeah, I like it's that. Nice. Um, hey, my first thing is seeing, seeing a deer, seeing a deer. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. Maybe this is uh, selfish in a way. Maybe this is too sort of like human focused because I'm not talking about deer themselves. I'm talking about <laughs> how cool it is when I, Griffin McElroy, a human being, see a deer. Yeah. But every time I see a deer, it's like I'm not a, a superstitious person or anything like that. But whenever I see a deer, my mind goes to like, what does this mean? <laughs> This means something. I took a picture not long ago, uh, put it up on the Instagram. I was going on a walk in our neighborhood and mm. there were just a few deer and you could tell like they had just kind of taken over. Like there has been less traffic in our area and thus more deer appearance. Yes. I read something about, and this is maybe a dark way to start out this subject, but just that the uh, behaviors of, of deer and really most sort of like uh, urban wildlife is, is uh, like they are changing because of of the way that we are now living our lives sort of in uh, seclusion and that, you know, it's kind of a neat transition now because they, you see deer fucking everywhere. Uh, but once things get back to normal for a while, it is not going to be oh, a yeah, neat that's transition. Gonna be tricky, huh? Gonna be quite tricky and bad. I would love to not focus on that though. During this segment, uh, there are estimated to be 30 million deer in the U S and, uh, that's quite a bit. And under quote, optimal conditions, that number can double every two years. Ooh, man. Um, so, 
that's, I mean, it's not optimal right now, obviously, due to uh, various different, uh, like, habitat loss factors. Um, but regardless, like, I, we see deer all the time. Uh, we moved into uh, this house in 20, what, 2018? And uh, it's just, it's deer city up here, baby. But even though I see them all the time, it's still so special. Uh, outside of my office window, they will like come in our front yard and eat the jasmine. And even though they're eating our plants, I'm still, it's reframed how I think about plants in our yard where it's just like, well, that's deer fuel. They need that. <laughs> it's serving its ultimate purpose, which is filling up these beautiful, beautiful deer. Um I just, I really, I really like it. I think I like looking out my office window at animals regardless. I I have a branch of a tree that extends just out past the, the. it's actually a, a glass door. So it's quite a large little portal to the outside world. And I'll see squirrels just like chilling out there. <laughs> and I've taken to just kind of looking out the door at those squirrels and just kind of watching them for a while. <laughs> Which is, squirrels are cute as hell, man. Like, I don't know why everybody's not talking about these things all the time. They're really cute. Those tails, fucking forget about they it. They are good. They're I, really I, good. They can be quite destructive, I will say. Well, not per- personally. I don't feel the effects of that very much. So for me, they're still good in my book. Deer are way bigger than squirrels. True. They command your <laughs> attention. I think seeing an animal where you didn't expect one kind of catches the eye, uh, especially when they are as big as a deer. Can you think of another animal that you see frequently in the wild that's as big as a deer? No. A deer's just like, hey, what's up? And your eye's like, whoa, wait, what's that doing there? I mean, man. Wow, babe, that's, that's, I feel like I'm back in the poetry corner. (laughs) They're just so quiet and majestic too like they hold themselves so regally and there's something about those eyes right those eyes, the what stillness they, you know what do they know mm. that i don't know mm. some of them also have big antlers which is just like that's like some like fairy time magic true bullshit that's like you've wandered in from the fey wilds <laughs> and you have these antlers and it's like you're you're on some Princess Mononoke shit over there. Uh-huh. And that's incredible. Mm-hmm. For a long time, we had a, what I assume was a mother deer and her two children mm. that just kind of hung out in our area. We'd see them all the time, watch those kids grow up. It was nice. It was really nice. They ate a whole lot of our plants. True. Like a lot of our plants. To this day, our plants are still reeling from the deforestation <laughs> that these deer visited upon it. But they're so beautiful, and they represent this crossroads between man and nature that just delights me to no end. Um, Although when I do see them when I'm driving, on our street, obviously, it's a residential street. I'm not driving very, very fast. So I will see them typically on the side of the road thinking like, are we cool, dear? Because you could just just jut out right into the middle of the road with no warning right now. Like I always inch past them like, are we good? Are we good? Okay, we're good. Deer have had like a sort of special significance or spiritual significance to like all kinds of different civilizations throughout human history, but almost always they represent a sort of quietude and also intuition, which I really like because I I just there I just it's like they're living in another world than I am. I sound like an like an <laughs> elementary school art teacher right now, <laughs> but I just like them. I want to know their secrets. Tell me your secrets, dear. Yeah, I always I always kind of interpret that stillness as a like, we cool? 
We cool right now? We cool? They're feeling us out. I liked right? the, the mom deer and kid deer. I liked eventually it hit the point where like we would like walk down our steps after coming back from doing something. They would be eating shit in our front yard and they would like just watch us as we walked into the house instead of running away because they knew. Yeah, we cool. We're not packing. Mm-hmm. We're cool. We yeah. like that they're here. Yeah, no, you feel like a certain amount of pride when a deer is like, oh, no, she's okay. Deer like, I, I, if, if we weren't together and I had to put together a Tinder profile, I would put in, deer like me. Deer trust me. <laughs> and that would attract, I think, a certain type of person. Yeah, I mean, that elementary school art teacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, can I steal you away? I don't like thinking about not being with you, oh. even in like a fun <laughs> like role play experience. <laughs> Can I steal you away? Yes. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with factor. What other things can you get with factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom (laughs) gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, This this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain hey can i uh read a jumbotron for you Please. Uh, this one is for Grammarly, and it is from Soren, who says, Dear Grammarly, thank you for being my best friend, my DM, and my kissing buddy. 
You've supported me through my transition so far, and I can't wait to grow with you and become your full-fledged boyfriend. I can't wait to travel with you and explore the world and figure out who we are. Love, your small, small boyfriend, Soren. Small. I love kissing buddy. Kissing buddy is a good job that I think you should be able to put on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, and then people could endorse you. And people could endorse you, and that would be actually extremely weird and a breach <laughs> of trust and privacy uh do you want to read this next one yes uh this is for jenny it is from olin jenny thank you for being such a great partner while i've been in grad school coming home to you made the stressful days so much better i'm grateful for you and i can't wait to keep building our life together you're my good good computer lady and i'm your librarian ghoul i love you i knew it I knew every library has a ghost or ghoul or mummy or skeleton or Dracula in no. it. I've been saying that. How long have I been saying that, babe? How long have I been saying that? Oh, gosh. What? Six, seven years? If not longer. Uh-huh. Because I had one experience in a library that it, I'm like really sure was Are spooky. you thinking of Ghostbusters? Yeah. I was in the <laughs> library and this big nasty monster started to knock books all over the place. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm just trying to find the latest Dan Brown novel. Uh-huh. And now I have to be spooked by a specter? <laughs> Slimed and spooked. Slimed and spooked. Mm-hmm. No thanks. This is why I don't go to libraries anymore. <laughs> one, two, one, two, three, five. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. We're both doctors. and Nope, just me. Okay, well, Sydney's a doctor, and I'm a medical enthusiast, and we create Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Every week, I dig through the annals of medical history to bring you the wildest, grossest, sometimes dumbest tales of ways we've tried to treat people throughout history. And lately, we do a lot of modern fake medicine because everything's a disaster, but it's slightly less of a disaster every Friday. Right here on MaximumFun.org as we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. And remember, don't drill a hole in your head. Hey, what is your second thing? My second thing is traffic lights. Oh. Just kind of came to me, just like in a burst of clarity. Can I admit something to you? Yes. The other day we were playing with Henry and I had like a red ball, a yellow ball, and a green ball. Uh-huh. And I was going to be like, this is a traffic light. But it has been so long since I've driven in a car that I couldn't remember the order. Like, I could, yeah, but like I couldn't remember if red is on top or if red is on the bottom. And, and this moment, red is on the top. Top, yeah. Wow. Red is on top, obviously. I'm a little freaked out. <laughs> I'm a little freaked out too, man. Uh, I mean, obviously, a red light, green light, great, great game. We play it with Henry all the time. Love that. Um, but also, just kind of the thought, the innovation that went into this, because what happened, I was doing some research, what happened, cars came out. Yeah. Cars started going faster and faster. There was nothing in place. <laughs> I mean, there were like, there were policemen who were like, hey, you stop and you go. But there was like nothing. There, right. was, there was nothing ready for it. Right. You know, um, the world's first traffic light was manually operated and gas lit. And it came out in London in 1868. But then less than a month after it was implemented, it exploded. Oh, that's not good. So whoops. Was it, were the first traffic, like, did we crack the red, yellow, green sort of thing? The yellow light seems like such a bold innovation. At first it was just red and green. Okay. 
It was just, it, it was like, oh, whoops, we need something in between there, huh? Yeah, because people are really stopping extremely mm-hmm. quickly. Uh, so the first automated traffic control system uh, was patented in 1910 and just included the word stop and proceed, and neither was illuminated. What? <laughs> so it was just like, I'm guessing like an arm would go down that said stop, but at night, you're pretty, just not pretty gonna, useless. Yeah. <laughs> Um, God, what did they do at night? Did they hold a torch out in front of them as they drove? What were they doing? You know, (laughs) things took off pretty quickly, if you think. So in uh, 1913, the Model T started to roll off. Right. um, And, you know, they could go about 40 miles an hour. uh, And in that same year, almost 4,000 people, or actually more than 4,000, died in car crashes. Uh, and so there just wasn't that, you know, policemen would stand in the center, but it just wasn't safe for them. And it wasn't particularly effective for drivers. Right. A Cleveland engineer named James Hodge um, borrowed the red and green signals being used on railroads already and then tapped into the electricity that ran through the trolley lines. Oh, interesting. Created the first municipal traffic control system. Still didn't have that yellow light in there, though. Dang, dang. Um, they, uh, made the light made its debut in Cleveland, uh, in 1914. And then a police sitting in a booth on the sidewalk controlled the signals with a flip of a switch. Interesting. Yeah. I guess we didn't have, we didn't have computer. Still figuring out. (laughs) Right. Uh, by 1930, all major American cities and major small towns had at least one traffic light. Uh, and the vehicle fatality rates fell more than 50% between 1914 and 1930. Wow, that's right? amazing. Did we have seatbelts yet? Probably not. No, huh? no. Oh, no. I mean, our parents didn't even really have seatbelts when they were kids. Jesus. That's a real new thing. Jesus. Uh, the yellow light um, was 1920. A Detroit policeman invented the first four-way, three-colored traffic lights. Oh, huge. Mm-hmm. Massive. Mm-hmm. Massive. I always think of the Simpsons episode where I think, uh, I think like Lisa is the mayor. There's something going on where yeah. they have control over the city. And I remember this one gag about how she has completely eliminated traffic by getting rid of the green light. So people just see the yellow light and they're like, oh, I got to get through it. And so everybody like, gets to the intersections like very hastily. Oh, that's good. That is good. Yeah. Uh, I just, this is like one of those things that you kind of take for granted. But like, if you think about the work that went into addressing kind of innovation that was happening, like, you know, just like hurry up and catch up with this like incredible thing that's happening in the country. Right. And like, oh, let's make everybody safer. And let's do it in a way that's like very easy to um, uh, understand. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I imagine there had to be some level of like uh, PSA going out there like, okay, guys, this is what we're doing now. Well, that's what I read about was the whole game, Red Light, Green Light, was like part of this whole instructional campaign. wow. The thing I read said that like a Cleveland teacher created the game and I was, and like gave the name of the teacher and I was like, wow, this is, yeah. (laughs) how can this be confirmed? Um, But yeah, there was all this just kind of instructional effort starting with kids, like going all the way up, like this is what a traffic light is. But then when that yellow light joined the mix, there must have been drivers who saw that yellow light pop up and just like swerved and careened into a building like, what does that one do? (laughs) What does that mean? What is that one? 
Uh, can I tell you about my second thing? Yes. My second thing is uh, what is probably my favorite Broadway musical, In- Into the Woods. Oh. God, I love Into the Woods. Me too. It packs probably the most sort of uh, emotional weight for me, especially in that like Mondo heavy second act. Uh, but it is also just so good and so well-written and so, 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 so clever. I find it so, this is like so miraculous for me because Griffin is somebody that grew up with a lot of access to musicals. I did not have a lot of familiarity with it, but one, one particular production that I loved as a kid was Into the Woods. It was the Bernadette Peters, like PBS. Joanna Gleason, Chip Zine, like, uh, yes, that production we also had on VHS. I think it was two tapes, actually. One was Act One and one was Act Two. Oh, our, uh, ours was like literally taped off of PBS. Oh, okay. <laughs> this was a VHS of David Weiner's creation. Right. Uh, it was, it, it, it is an amazing, amazing show. And I think the reason for that, the, the, the fact that it is also your touchstone for theater is like the first time you see it, like it is so clever that it leaves like an indelible mark. Like well, I, And also like the fact that it relies on like so many established fairy tales, like it makes it very uh, conducive to sharing with your kids. Yeah, absolutely. Although, uh, this, again, the second act gets uh, yeah. pretty heavy. Yeah. There are actually lots of stories uh of uh, people like taking their kids to the original Broadway run and like pulling them out in the second act uh, when, you know, like Rapunzel fucking dies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or uh, the, you know, Cinderella's prince has uh, an extramarital affair. Like there's a yeah. lot of uh, stuff in there. That That is sort of the magic trick that this show plays uh, of act one is essentially a, um, like a mashup of all of these. It's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe of fairy tales uh, that blends Jack and the Beanstalk and Rapunzel and Little Red Riding Hood and Cinderella and uh, a, a bunch more. Uh, and it, they just sort of interweave their stories very, very cleverly. Um, it was written by Sondheim, who obviously is a absolute legend. Now, who is that? What uh, did he do? Craig Sondheim. Mm. <laughs> uh, no, it's Stephen Sondheim. He did, you know. Everything. Uh, everything. Sweeney Todd, uh, West Side Story. I think he did, actually just did lyrics for West Side Story. But... Um, and it is it is such a wildly ambitious show, not just in like its uh, storytelling or its scale. Like uh, act act two, the magic trick I was alluding to is that like everything goes to shit, uh, and it gets like very very heavy, much much heavier. It is like a completely different show uh, tonally and narratively than the first act was, uh, and and like there's a literal giant fight scene at the end of the show, which like productions have, I saw a community theater production that uh, like first stage did back in Huntington. That was the theater troupe that I uh, did shows with and like seeing how everybody handles the giant fight at the end uh, is, is always like entertaining to see. But more than that, like what is so ambitious about the show is like, all of the themes that it is tackling, uh, most of which are sort of centered around parents and like uh, relationships with parents, the loss of parents, uh, the forgiveness of of parents and parental like failings. Uh, yeah, as and you... also kind of the 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 private life, the like personal ambition of parents that goes like beyond their children and their family, you know? Right. As you watch uh, characters in this show go from like wanting to be parents and then becoming parents or losing parents and then reflecting on, 
you know, the things that their parents taught them. That's like a main theme of the yeah. show is careful the things you say, children will listen. Uh, uh, just saying that like made me like <laughs> a little bit. Um, it is, it is, it is an amazing, amazing show. Uh, and uh, the movie adaptation also isn't that isn't that bad. Uh, it's got what Meryl Streep and yeah. Anna Kendrick and James Corden, James Corden and yeah. a bunch of like really, really great performers in it. Um, but for me, yes, it, it it all goes back to that original Broadway performance, the cast of which is fantastic. Uh, it blew my mind. Like, I feel like I still remember seeing it for the first time and the, the moment where there's like interaction with the narrator, mm-hmm. who you think is like for you as an audience member. And then when suddenly they the break narrator, the fourth wall, oh my yes, gosh, and bring in the narrator. Uh, that is just one of the interweavings that happens in the show. The opening number of this song all the music is incredible like it is uh syncopated in a way that is like so fascinating and it is built around like a a handful of motifs that they just ring every drop out of throughout the course of the show uh and also like some of the songs last forever the opening song in this show is called prologue into the woods and it introduces all the characters all the storylines that you're going to see throughout the course of the show it is 12 minutes long start to finish and that's fucking incredible uh and yes the performances in the original broadway uh cast is like amazing joanna gleason plays the baker's wife she was also on west wing for a long time yeah Uh, she's fantastic chip zine is the 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 baker and he has this like delicate uh voice that is like so incredible but yes the standout the like star uh, is Bernadette Peters as the witch, which is such a fucking cool part of the show because she's obviously like framed as the antagonist for the first half, which is just sort of leaning on these fairy tales. And then in the second half, where again, everything falls apart, she becomes this almost like ambivalent third party who is there to just yeah. like render judgment and fucking tear down every other like member of the cast in every other event that they have done such a like incredibly complex character for like somebody that starts as a witch you know like the musical really plays with like what is good and bad right Mm -hmm. uh yeah she has a line in uh this this song where she like stands in judgment of every other character in the show called last midnight where she says uh you're so nice you're not good you're not bad you're just nice yeah i'm not good i'm not nice i'm just right yeah uh it's so Such like a powerful line for a for a midwestern child. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I want to play some of that song because it is last midnight because it, it comes close to the end of the show where she is just like just reading these fools, uh, and it is the, it, happening at this sort of apocalyptic moment in the show, and it's I it scared the shit out of me as a kid. Like the idea of somebody singing at the edge of the end of the world like really really like stuck with me and of course it's Bernadette Peters just kind of killing it so uh, here's a little bit of Last Midnight I'm the hitch I'm what no one believes I'm the witch you're all liars and thieves like his father like his son will be to a white father you'll just do what you do as the I think that represents sort of the emotional ability of this show uh, to like really land these big, heavy emotional swings, like these really, really heavy emotional punches. Uh, And so like Last Midnight does this with the 
uh, regret of everything that has happened in the show and the sort of like turning of the the story from like, oh, these guys are just all flawed and doing their best to like, actually, they've been pretty bad uh, up to this point yeah. and uh, maybe they deserve what's coming to them. Uh, and then the show uh, has this one last number called No One Is Alone where uh, a lot of the members of the, like surviving members of the cast who have all lost something very, very important to them throughout the show, like experience this like powerful found family uh, that is like so so incredible and this song just breaks my heart every time I hear it uh, so of course I'm going to do that to our listeners now by playing a little bit of No One Is Alone Someone is on your side Our side Someone else is not While we're seeing our side Our side Maybe we forgot They are not That's I, I love this show so so much, uh, and uh, I've, I I get it stuck in my head, like I get weird weird parts of it stuck in my head, just like lines yeah. of. Yeah, uh, you were whistling it yesterday. Songs. I, I heard was, you. yes, because yeah. I decided I wanted to talk about it. Yeah, uh, and yeah, since prepping for this, like, oh, all I've wanted to do is watch it again. Can we yeah. watch it again tonight? Yeah, of course. I would watch either one. I really do think I think nailing a Broadway musical movie adaptation is real tough. And I think that they did uh, a, a you know diligent work with that in the the what, I think twenty fourteen adaptation. I don't remember exactly when the movie yeah. came out, but if it, if it's all you have access to, it ain't bad. It's pretty good. But the the Broadway performance just still had you my seen Bernadette Peters in anything before that? Uh, the Jerk and you saw The Jerk before you saw Into the Woods. I'm pretty sure. Really? I mean, our dad like didn't. Our parents didn't really restrict like different okay. comedy movies to us uh, at a very young. I saw The Jerk very very young because I, um, I that was my first exposure to Bernadette Peters, and I was like, oh, she's a really talented you know singer and and theater performer. And then I was like, oh, she's in movies too. Yeah, <laughs> it like uh, blew my mind. God, she's so good. Okay, uh, hey, do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. Uh, we got a cool email from Shreya, who uh, uh, together with uh, her sister has put together a project called Letters Against Isolation, where they are organizing people to write letters to uh, self-isolating uh, elderly folks who are, you know, super, super lonely right now. Uh, uh, Shreya says, Letters Against Isolation has grown really fast. Right now, we have over 300 volunteers writing to almost 1,000 seniors across the country. In the last week alone, we sent 500 letters. We need more volunteers to keep up. Uh, and you can learn more about this project at lettersagainstisolation.com. I was looking oh, at it today. It's really, really cool. And such that's a, like, such an incredible idea. Yeah. So I would encourage everybody to, if you if you got some time and you want to brighten somebody's day, lettersagainstisolation.com. It sounds really, really cool. Uh, Elise uh, and also somebody else wrote in about Pomplamoose this week, uh, the YouTube music. Do you know about Pomplamoose? I mean, I just know that it's a French word. Oh, yes. Uh, they are a, uh, well, they started out a very long time ago as a two-person uh, musical outfit that would uh, do covers of songs uh, on YouTube videos where you would like sort of watch, sort of Wolfpecky in a way, um, but they have gone on to like release a bunch of albums and do a whole bunch of stuff. Anyway, uh, Elise said, what instantly puts me in a good mood is watching a Pomplamoose video. The duo works with super talented artists to pull off an incredible mix of mashups, originals, and collaborations that all slap. The musicians all smile at each other and you can just tell that they love what's happening in that room. Man, it's that's a that's a good if you don't know about Pomplamoose, yeah, that's a good like drip feed of positivity. Yeah. Uh, I, I I adore those two. They are uh they are fantastic. Um yeah. 
That's 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 enough good stuff, I think, for one week. Okay. Right. I think so. Let's save some for next week. Okay. I want to thank Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And I, I take it back. Here's more good stuff. Go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the shows on there. Yes. There, there is so much content. There is just so much content. Uh, and it is nice for, to have my little feed update with my Max Fun shows because they're all just like, they're so charming. Mm. Max Fun is just a network full of charming people. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And that's going to wrap it up. Uh, positive, like, uh, send-off for this week. Any any mm. advice, anything? Watch a... Watch a... Hey! Hey! <laughs> watch a... Why don't you cook something new this week? Experiment. There's that thing that you've... Maybe not cook. Make something. You've wanted to make that thing for a bit. Yeah. A lot of people are using this time because the idea of writing can be kind of daunting for a lot of folks, but you get into that visual art, let's say. Visual art. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be words. Do a little sketching. Do a sketch. Mm -hmm. Twist some coat hangers together and make a mobile. Yeah. I love that. I do too. I'm going to go make a mobile right now. You're not. I am. It's going to have rocket ships on it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.